really sing. <laughs> yeah. La 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 Yeah. Hello and welcome to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host. The Sports Blog New York podcast is on iTunes and Google Play, which you can find simply by searching Sports Blog New York podcast or go to sportsblognewyork.com, click on the podcast tab. Any of those articles will lead you in the right direction. If you've been liking what you've been hearing on the SBNY podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review because we appreciate every listener, no matter where you may be. We love our New Yorkers, but we appreciate every single listener. So subscribe, rate, review, tell us how you feel, tell us what you think about us, and we will definitely appreciate it. Also, a little tidbit about the podcast. We have a sponsor on the way. If you listened to yesterday's episode, I mentioned this as well. Not going to release the details of that sponsor yet, but we will be having a presenting sponsor for the SBNY podcast uh, in the near future. So very excited about that for not only us, but for you guys, of course, because we're going to be hooking you up with some discounts for some really cool products that you will learn more about in the future. So stay tuned for that. Today on the bill, we're going NFL draft. So if you listen to any you know sports talk radio, sports television on Monday, you probably heard all about the NFL draft. So now that we let all those clowns do their thing, that you know, get paid for this, here come in the real meaningful fans, the real analysts of the NFL draft, the sports blog New York crew. I got our mock draft guy in the house today, even though you know how I feel about mock drafts, but we share a special last name together, so I love having him on the show. He is a Browns fan, I'm going to tell you that right now, but Kevin Kennedy is in the house. What is up? Yeah, it's good to be back. It was a good weekend. We got a lot to talk about. This guy, like I told you, is a Browns fan, so if there's anybody who studies the draft... A, he's a huge football guy, so that's number one. Number two is he's a Browns fan. This guy needs to know about the draft because that's where his team lives. No offense. <laughs> but, but also, we have Phil DeMeo in the house, as usual, and uh, we're, we're here to break it down. How you doing, How you doing, Phil? Very excited, but even before NFL drafts, I have to review on your Mets and how they just handled the last like, 24 hours. You know, I knew you were going to bring it up, but I was hoping you forgot. I don't uh, – the Noah Syndergaard says, I don't need an MRI. I'm not hurt. Now he gets an MRI, partially torn, torn, lat, whatever it is. He's out for a while. The Mets look like the inmates are running the asylum because I've been hearing that term about the Mets all day. It's hard to dispute it. Yusespis is on the DL. Syndergaard's on his way to the DL or he's on the DL now. Lucas Duda, I have setback already. Duda's setback. So, so no, Syndergaard had, what, the two months maybe? That's, what, four months in Mets land? Be honest with me, like, do you expect him back in two months? He's kind of a freak, so I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. And what I've heard, you know, our our great writers, the SBNY writers, were talking about some of the examples today. They mentioned Clayton Kershaw came back in six weeks. Steven Matz also had a similar injury. What was he back in two, two, two and a half months? I, there's no real timetable yet. I'm not really hopeful. But if if I could bet on anybody, I'm going to bet on Syndergaard. He's an athletic, physical freak. I think he'd come back. I don't feel confident about it, though. Are you mad at him? Who are you mad at? Who's your anger at? I'm mad at the the Mets. I'm mad at Terry. I'm mad at... Uh, I don't want to say all those things. I don't feel like he's the guy who's actually in the dugout or in the clubhouse talking to these, these players. You got to put this on Terry. I mean, Syndergaard's being a stubborn athlete. That's what he is. Like Athletes are supposed to have the mindset, or at least they say you're supposed to. Oh, I'm going out there no matter what. I'm playing through injuries. I'm a tough guy. I'm strong for my team. And that was what, in Noah's mind, at least I believe is he was doing the right thing for his team, trying to be a tough guy. Terry's got to be the guy to step up and say, listen, Noah, I know you think you're, you're fine. I think you're tough. Just take an MRI. It's okay. MRIs don't hurt you. Well, to play devil's advocate, if he was helping his team, he wouldn't have pushed himself. But now they're in shitter for two months without him. And he, they already have injuries to begin with. So I think it was irresponsible for him to say, hey, you know, I'm fine. And his bicep was hurting. He couldn't lift his, his hand around the shoulder. Those are two huge red flags. I mean, just get checked out. Now, my, I was listening to Michael Kay today. He said he was freaking out. He's on constantly it. obligated to get an MRI, and some people are disputing that. I think I read um, Rosenthal. His piece said he isn't. Michael Kay swears his source. You know, his job by Michael Kay. The man's been around baseball for almost thirty years. So, hey, I love Michael Kay. I, I believe what he says. He says he has to get an MRI if the Mets him to, tell him to. And then he said we told him we, the Mets requested him to get an MRI. He said I'm fine. So. I mean, it just added to the list to the Mets. I can't Yankees, the Phillies, anybody, Dodgers. It's no, you can't refuse. No one. I can't see the Dodgers saying, "Just right, no, I'm good, man. I'm not the MRI." I've never Mets heard. Not just Starbender or Cashman. Like, 
You do what's told to you. You're at the end of the day, you're an employee. So. I've never heard that ever. A pro athlete saying, "No, I don't need an MRI." Like if an athlete's gonna say, "Yeah, I really don't want to get surgery." Completely different. And MRI, like I've gotten MRIs before. Have you gotten MRIs? I never had one. You, Kevin? Yeah, actually. Um, Recently. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I. Actually, I need to get one soon too. I, uh, <laughs> I tore my ACL back in December, and I didn't know it was that bad, so I took a precautionary MRI, <laughs> and it turns out I had a torn ACL. What do you do with the MRI? Can you please walk our listener through what an MRI is, just in case they never got one? Because um, I, I can. It's not crazy, right? Like, talk about it. You, you go into a room. <laughs> they give you headphones. Because it's a little loud. You lay on a thing, and a machine does the rest. Look, right? Exactly. Pretty much it. That sums it up. I got a casket in my head, because I'm, I'm crazy, but it's every single way. You might be in clothes. Yeah, but... Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, you it's literally... a little louder. If, yeah. you're, if you're claustrophobic, like, that's probably the worst ass, like, part of it. But you literally sit, like, you're laying down on your back. You can't move. You get headphones, they put a little elevator music on, maybe they put on Z100 or something. That's still not a factor why you shouldn't get one if you know what's in the right. Exactly. Like, even if... They, they do stand-up MRIs. I'm sure that the Mets have stand-up MRI connections, you know? The Hospital of Special Surgery in Manhattan, phenomenal place. I'm sure he could have got a stand-up MRI where he's not in a tube. Like, what is the big deal about an MRI? I don't want to... I don't mean to... I don't want to talk NFL draft, but what do you think is the reason why he's hurt? Not, is it overusage, is it... I heard it's a muscle mass. I heard about there's, there's this. There's a lot of theories going around. I, I, think it's, I think it's muscle mass because the way these guys put on muscle, especially for baseball, because baseball is not a natural movement and pitching is nowhere near natural. 100 miles per hour so, pitch is not natural. Right. So, more, more importantly, so, 93 mile per hour sliders are not natural. Yeah. Right. So more muscle puts more pressure and it squeezes the, the you know your tendons and ligaments and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's why you see a lot, of, a lot of these guys now are having soft tissue injuries. Even in the NFL, you've seen a lot of guys that have soft t- tissue injuries that they didn't have, you know, in the years back. Either they played through it or they just didn't have the – these guys are, are huge. Mm-hmm. These supplements and everything. But if you look at the – I don't know. My it's, dad made a classic dad comment to me <laughs> regarding the Syndergaard stuff. He goes, you know, what, what do you think happened to Noah? I remember, like, Tom Seaver. Like, he, he used to pitch eight innings all the time. He was throwing right. all these pitches. He never got hurt. And, that like, that's a classic dad comment well, of all right. time. But – yeah. I mean, Tom Seaver probably also knew he was going eight, so he wasn't trying to hit a hundred every time he threw a pitch, and he yeah, didn't throw a ninety-three mile per hour like, slider. Syndergaard's great; he's got great stuff, but he has to learn how to pitch better. He has to learn how to um, get batters out without trying to strike everyone out. The best pitcher I've seen in my lifetime was Roy Halladay because he didn't go in there saying, "I'm going to strike you out." He goes, "I'm going to go in there, and you're going to hit a soft ground ball." I'm going to get side. you out. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get yourself out because I'm not. I'm going to give you a pitch. It's going to be a strike. It's not going to be a great strike, and you're not going to be able to hit hit it soft. Yeah. And, and just quickly, I don't know if you read the piece today. It resurfaced uh, February. Bob got and put the same classic order for uh, Jersey.com. He said Tom House is like a famous pitching coach, and he works out with Drew Brees and um, Tom Brady. He worked with Nolan Ryan until he's 44 years old. Whatever Nolan Ryan, he extended his career, and he said. Syndergaard, you know, you're working, you're gaining muscle, are you throwing as you're building that muscle? He goes, no, I'm not. He's I threw 200 pitch innings the last two years. I'm going to take it easy. So he goes, if you're building a muscle, you have to learn teach a muscle how to throw a fastball. He said, gave him a 65% chance of getting hurt before June because he's been 17 pounds of muscle without throwing it. And that and the man was on point. Absolutely, Absolutely. on point. Like, Word for word, what he said happened. You know, it's like, it's not the same, obviously, but it reminds you of, you know, you say you hurt your right knee. You compensate and use your left knee Kevin. more, and you heard that one. Now, it's different than what Noah did, but basically his, his shoulder and elbow and bicep, his lat, they're all used to throwing with a certain amount of pressure. And then he lifted, 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 got big and wasn't throwing. He was used to throwing a different amount of, with even, a different amount of pressure. Even last start, his bicep hurt. He probably threw a little differently than he was, and he hurt his lat. I, mean, I don't know if the lat was hurt before the bicep, but it's all connected. Also, I, Absolutely. I, I don't believe in overuse when it comes to pitching because I, I believe it's – like I said before, it's not natural. You have to teach your body that its purpose is to is to pitch. I heard uh, Francesca did a, like a great interview a couple of years ago with uh, Bronson Arroyo. Now Bronson Arroyo was never this great pitcher. Had some good but, years. Yeah, but for almost a decade he threw two hundred innings a year, and he said since he was fourteen years old he threw a baseball three hundred sixty days a year. Wow. Whether it was just a catch against the wall or you know long toss, every day he was throwing a baseball. Because his arm knows it's supposed to pitch. Yeah. Because, like I said, it's not natural. Syndergaard throwing 100 miles an hour, it's not natural. So if he doesn't do it for three months, and now he just wants to start doing it again, it's 
you know, and especially you got new muscles and muscle memory. It's, it's all it's way all, too much stress on right. places that don't need like, it. And like your father said, these guys, Seaver, Carlton, the, you know, those those pitchers back in the, they would go, you know, no run. They would they would go for all day if you had them. Probably because they just threw. Like they didn't exactly. they didn't know about all these weird exactly. other stretches, they, they, lifting. Yeah, things. They, they, yeah, they weren't they were just throwing. cleaning and all this stuff and eating vents and they were going out there and pitching. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't read it online, but I've heard that the Mets didn't want him to build muscle. So add that to the list of yeah. this disconnect between Well, them. I'm going to bring back the comment from Alec yesterday. So if you follow sport, our sport blog on Twitter, at NYC, you probably saw this quote. But our co-host on uh, last yesterday's episode, he said, Terry Collins is the dad who tries to be really cool and lets his kids eat ice cream for breakfast. It's a whole organization. Hits it on bottom. point right yeah. there. Like. Terry Collins doesn't want to be hated. He doesn't want to be disliked. He wants to be cool. He wants to be winning. He's trying to do too much. He's eating way more than he could chew. Who are the best organizations in sports? Patriots, Cardinals, Spurs. Does anyone ever go against Belichick or Pop? No. Or or even like Girardi and Cashman. Say what you want. What they say is final word. I feel like a lot of of Mets fans, they use Collins as like a scapegoat. Whenever something goes wrong. They just use the pin on Collins. Absolutely. I totally and, agree with you. Like, they, they, they don't appreciate, like, I'll, I'll, I'll be flat out honest. I'm a Phillies fan. I'm not really a big Mets guy. But whenever I hear, um, like, a lot of people blame Collins for Conforto's struggles last year. You're a grown-ass man. Just just go up there and hit the ball. What, what does the manager have to do with you being able to hit a fastball? No, I mean, it's true. I think Terry definitely deserves criticism. But Mets fans definitely use him as a scapegoat. Do you and see the, the team to the he took where, to the playoffs last year? Do you see that roster he had? You know what Mets playoffs? fans say? Oh, you mean the team Cespedes took to the playoffs yeah, exactly. last year? Exactly. Right. But it's a whole other topic for another day. We just did about 10 minutes on that. I think it was good talk. Tough tough times for, for the Mets fans. And uh, I'm the only Mets fan here right now. And if you think the sports blog in New York is too heavy on New York, New York base, we got a Phillies fan over here. We got a Browns fan over here. We had a Detroit Lions fan on last week. We definitely keep our New York strong, but we get to we like to get the the whole the whole nation involved. We get a, a little bit of everybody. I think I think it's it benefits the Audience. you know the content when you have you right. know, someone like me or you know I'm a, I'm a Phillies and Browns fan, so I have no real bias towards you know Mets, Jets, Yankees, Giants. I don't really so I give I, I feel like it's a different opinion. You can tell how it is yeah. compared Just to you know me it, being a Giants fan, right. Phil being a Jets fan. Now we got the the real deal coming from right. Kevin Kennedy over here on Jamal Adams and Evan Ingram, which we're right. going to get into in a moment. But we're not going to start off with the Giants and Jets. We will break down their draft and how they did uh, over last weekend. But first, let's talk about the actual draft itself, right? So since we were young, the draft has become more and more of a spectacle year in and year out. And Phil actually made a joke before the podcast, but I'm sure you'll bring it up at some point. Mm-hmm. It was a spectacle this year. It was a show. It was more about like the, the TV broadcasters and the a- analysis than it was the actual picks and the actual players. Do you expect anything else from the NFL? At this Absolutely point? They, not. They give away everything they want. I, mean, I, I don't know the, the numbers. I don't see numbers. Like, I, Thirty I, million people watched. I, I, I saw some numbers. And the crowd. You see the crowd at the two hundred thousand over the over the. Bro, they were cheering for fourth round picks. They couldn't. They were front of them. They couldn't know who they were. This is what I'll tell you about the numbers. I don't know the specific off the top of my head. But even with it being split between ESPN and NFL Network, the ESPN program was the highest program of the night by far. So that's with, that's with like a third of the viewership being on a different channel. So that's how many people watch the draft. But what did you guys think? I'm open the floor. How did you think the viewing experience, the whole taking in the draft was for you this year? Uh, I, th- I thought it was great for the first round. I always think they do a fantastic job in the first round. But the first round is very, it's, it's very dragged out. The, the picks are 15 minutes. Teams usually take 10 or 12. You know, so they have time to elaborate on each pick, you know, upcoming situations. But as the draft goes on, it gets harder and harder for them to um, you know, keep everyone up to date because the picks are happening much quicker and it's tough to, to go through each guy and explain each guy's strengths and weaknesses. And it's Towards the, you know, I was, I was, I was trying to keep up on my phone when I was watching the program in the later rounds because it's just easier and more organized. So. And it's kind of unfortunate to me is when you're watching it on TV on Friday, on Thursday night, and on the board it says pick number twenty-seven. You're waiting to find out who's pick number twenty-seven. Pick number thirty was on the clock, so they're purposely dragging it on, which makes sense because it's all about you know making that money and they're getting a higher number viewership on it. 
But for a regular TV viewer, you're watching this, waiting for pick 27, knowing that pick 30 is on the clock. So 27, 28, 29 are in, and you're sitting there like, who the hell just got picked? There's four picks off the board, and I have no idea what's going on. I think it was tough. The, the Johnny Manziel draft. I was at the NFL draft party. I was on my phone. Oh, the MetLife. I was on my phone. Jason Lockford from NFL Network CBS. He was tweeting the picks before they came. And I was tweeting them from the account before it came. People were yelling at me. You ruined the draft for me. But the information is out there. People, I want people to know. Yeah. And now it's, it's different now. I didn't know once a pick is in, the next team will automatically on the clock. Then maybe I should change that a little bit, wait till it's announced. But teams won't be at a disadvantage. But some teams get more time than others. So I don't know how you, I don't know how you fix that. What are you saying? Because there's, there's a balance between the presentation and the actual like, right. draft. But um, it says here... Thursday night's opening round brought in 9.2 million followers. I felt hard enough. Viewers, ESPN had been 6.7 of them. Right. So it's over. Uh, I was pretty close when I said a third. I was actually on point. Yeah, you're more than a third. Yeah. No, I'm saying uh, uh, NFL Network? the NFL Network had about a third. But yeah. I, I think NFL Network is better. I like Mayock. I think he's awesome. I Paul also, Davis is good. Um, Rich Eisen, you know, he's probably the best host out there right now. I also watch an NFL Network, but both, both were good. I'm also a Gruden fan, so yeah. <laughs> don't mind turning on ESPN. All right, that's enough on that, because let's get into these players, right? So... I want to open the floor to you, Kev, because like we mentioned to you before, you're a Browns fan, but I know that you do a really good job of keeping it unbiased when it comes to the Browns. Like they're they're your team, but you also tell it how it is. So I'm, I'm gonna give you that. I, but I want you biased to... with a one in fifteen team. <laughs> That's a good point. That is a good point. Bias or delusional? It's a, it's a, it's a thin line. Thin line. <laughs> well, I'm gonna open the floor to you, and I want you to just give our viewers the perspective of what the Browns did and how you feel about because they had three first round picks. They were a huge part of that first round. So how would you feel about it? Not only did they have three first-round picks, but they somehow accumulated another first-round pick for next year. So Moneyball, baby. Going into next year's draft, they have two firsts and three seconds on top of the three firsts and one second they had this year. So what they're doing is, and if you look at their player, the players they're picking, it's, it's a common theme. This, this, they, they all say, it's oh, it's analytics this, analytics that, but it's really, it's, it's a pretty simple equation. What they're looking at is they want productive football players that are high character, highly motivated guys. Those are the guys they're looking for. Miles Garrett, Jabril Peppers, and Njoku, the tight end out of Miami. They're all high character, very productive in college, and they and they want to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's their formula of And honestly at this point they all have something to prove. Right. And one thing about those three guys, because they drafted Njoku and the day later, they cut Gary Barnage. Wow! So and Gary Barnage is a solid tight end. In this yeah, league. he's a league average tight end. Yeah. You know, he's not he's not dying for an upgrade over him, but Njoku was definitely an upgrade. Um, he's got freakish athletic ability. He's he's the perfect modern day tight end. You know, he's six four and change, two fifteen, runs a four six. He was a high jump, like medalist. Yeah, he broke the record he for the jumped six eleven. Yeah, it's I'm pretty sure, it's, which it's, is crazy, and it. He's 20 years old. So let's talk about Peppers. Because, you know, if you think about it, you guys got three of the big names, too, in the first round. True. Najoku, probably the last of the three. But he was still a name that, especially Giants fans were hearing, I thought we were going to take him instead we took another guy, which we'll get into again. But Jabir Peppers, he's a very controversial guy coming into this draft. Because is he a safety? Is he a, a nickel? Is he a linebacker, an offensive player, kick returner? What are you going to get out of this guy? I believe we, we touched on this earlier in, in, our, in our other podcast where the more you look at Jabril Preppers and everyone says, like you were just saying, is he this, is he that, right? Why is that a bad thing? Oh, I'm not saying it is. Like a lot of people look at that as, oh, he's not a true safety. He's not a true linebacker. They look at all this stuff like, like his versatility is used almost as a negative against him by certain people. But clearly the well, Browns. People call him a master of none. Right. But it. He was also forced to play linebacker last year due to injury. So what does that tell you about? He's a team guy. You know, whoever you need me to play, coach, I'll play it to the best of my abilities. He does kick returns. They already said they're probably gonna get him the ball on offense sometimes. So, I love that. You know, he, he, like you know, but the more valuable he comes on defense, the less he'll use an offense. Like Peterson was used early in his career out in Arizona. But um, if you follow the the Rams, which I don't know how many of you do, but they traded for Mark Barron. From Tampa. Yeah. And he was a safety that was converted to like a linebacker box type guy. That's what I see them using Peppers for, except Peppers is way more athletic than 
Mark Barron is. This might feel crazy because of the year that this guy had in his sophomore season. Do you feel Landon Collins at all with Jabir Peppers? I said that the first time. He's got that same alpha, alpha male, you know, mentality. I want to. He, he's not going to shy away from contact. Right. And you know, Landon Collins didn't have a great year. His rookie year. Right. So I'm saying, try to he try to that forget that curve. he was a stud as a sophomore. Well, you know, second year right. NFL player. I feel like that's a pretty good comparison. I think Peppers could be better in coverage, just just based on, off of. Pure athletic ability, right, and ball skills. I mean, um, I, wait. I, by the way, I have to laugh at something real quick. It really bothers me when people be like, "Oh, Jabil Peppers only had one interception in college." I'm like, what? Who, who cares? Who ca- exactly? Who cares? Interceptions are mostly a fluke, right? You right, can have a quarterback right. who sucks and gets nine right. interceptions in his La- season. Last year, he gets uh, torched fifteen times. Last year, Landon Collins had five interceptions, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a good amount of interceptions. Pretty damn good. Yeah, two of them were off of Case, Keen- Case Keenum off of two tip balls. Yeah, one of them was off of a Jay Cutler overthrow, which we've seen countless times, <laughs> and the other one was off of Carson Wentz, who threw fifteen of them. The fact that you could even remember four out of his five interceptions because they were so standout. Because right. they were bizarre plays, right. or he just returned them. A lot of them, yeah, a lot of them is right, right place, right time. It's fluky. I mean, Landon Collins is a little bit bigger than um, than Peppers, but Peppers might be a little bit more of an athlete. So that's why I think Peppers might be able to offer more in um, in coverage. So I think they're going to use him all over the place. He's going to be blitzing. He's going to be dropping in coverage. I, I look at him as hopefully like a Palomaro type player. Oof, that'd be crazy. You don't know where he is, and you who knows just, what he's gonna do. Right, you have right. to you have to make sure you account for him because he could blitz. And he was packaged with a first round pick, so you right. Get they have, they have Houston's first and second round picks. That's crazy. That's some good stuff. <laughs> well, the Browns actually, for all intent, for all intents and purposes, they had a pretty nice uh, showing at the NFL draft. Now we'll see if it turns into any wins next year, next season. But this is the Sports Blog New York podcast. So we're gonna get into the Jets and Giants pick in just a minute, but we have. We have some big things to talk about. It's something that if we didn't talk about here, it would be, you know, malpractice, if you will. The 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 Bears traded up and for got Mitchell Trubisky. Right? Was that not bizarre? Did anyone were you not shocked? Were you shocked? shocked? I was I was pretty shocked. I was shocked, shocked that they traded up for him and it came out that forty hours the first the top three in the forty hours board was Miles Garrett, Solomon Thomas, and Ruben Foster. He almost got two out of three of the players. They, they did get two out of three yes. players. So, so like, wait, let me pose a question to you guys. John Lynch, A++. Plus plus. Yeah, did the 49ers hoodwink the the Bears, or did the Bears just play themselves? Bears played themselves. Yeah? yeah. But at There's the no indication the 49ers are going a quarterback. Right, but there was a lot of smoke going around that the Browns were trying to come up and get Trubisky. So, uh, but I don't know who that was circulated by. That could have been the Browns, it could have been the 49ers. If that was the 49ers, that's a great job by them by getting that out there. Because for the last week and a half, you heard... Are the Browns taking Trubisky or are they taking uh, are they taking uh, Garrett? Right. They said they've known for over three three weeks who they're taking. Yeah. There was no it was no secret they were taking. <laughs> well, Garrett. I, I want to take a quote from you from the last time you're on this podcast. You're like, I knew three years ago you're taking Miles Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, he's that type of player. I mean, will he pan out? We'll we'll see. I mean, they're all prospects at this point. So the question is, will Mitchell Trubisky pan out? Well, I think, um, I think Mike Lennon is the happiest nineteen million dollar. No, he's, in the he's pissed. He's I mean, not happy right now. Nineteen million dollars. Yeah, but what is he entitled play one, to? Play one year. One year. Yeah, but what? what why is he entitled to a starting job? What is he? What is nineteen million dollars. Yeah, but you expect him to just? That's the going rate. That's his market value. It doesn't mean he's a starter. I don't get that. Why? I'll be shocked if. So you you think Mike Lennon has no right to be upset? No. Well, well, internally he shouldn't voice his opinion about it. You were you were a backup that got signed to a team yeah. and they brought in another quarterback. You shouldn't be they upset. Bring on, they, they didn't bring on a right. quarterback. They brought on a franchise right. quarterback. Right, right. So beat them out. Right. You know what? I, That's the attitude I want my quarterback to have. I think I like what you're saying right here, but I think what he's upset about is that he didn't know they were taking Trubisky. But even still, like, the, the, GM. the way you're talking about it right now, you know, it's it's a really fair point. Mike Lennon, maybe he has a right to be a, like, a little butthurt not, about it. He's not Tom Brady. He's not dubbed anything. You know Who knows his market? You know, maybe he, he said, oh, you'll be our quarterback in the next couple of years and – it's not going to fan out real quick. He might not be the quarterback come week nine. He can if he beats out Trubisky. Which, you know what? When I first heard about the Trubisky thing, my first thought was, thank God they have Mike Lennon. Because I think Mr. Trubisky is doomed if he's starting week Ooh. one, right? So Mike Lennon needs to be there for Trubisky, for the Bears, for whatever you want to look at it. Because just like Kaiser, who got picked late in the fourth round for the, for the uh, Browns, second round? My bad, I was off on that. But him and Trubisky, and even to a lesser extent, you know, Watson, 
Mahomes definitely. They're not ready to start week one. Even if they like they they beat him out, uh, beat out someone else, or uh, Trubisky ends up beating out Glennon, you can't really feel that confident about Trubisky going into week one of this NFL season. Right. So Glennon being there, to my opinion, if I'm a Bears fan, I feel happy that he's there right now because you got someone who can be at least average. The problem with that is like, as it like compared to a say a Kaiser versus a um, Trubisky versus Mahomes, say right now. Mahomes was a first-round pick. He was a top-ten pick, right? Yes. They have Alex Smith. They have their starter, their playoff team. There's no immediate pressure for him to play. Which is why I love that pick. Right. And Kaiser now is a second-round pick. So that drop in picks takes the pressure off him as well. Trubisky sitting there at two. That puts enormous pressure on him to to come right in and play, right. in my opinion. I think if you're the first quarterback taken right. in a draft, whether it's one, two, or eight, right? Right. It puts that much pressure on you. Right. Think about the pressure that Jared Goff felt last year when he finally played in, what, week right. 9, 10, 11, whatever it was? Really? Compared ten. to even just Carson Wentz, who was only picked one pick after him, but Cody his pressure Kessler. was basically non-existent. Right. Cody Kessel comes in, and he, had, he was forced to play the third game last year. He was yeah. a third-round pick. Yeah, that's I interesting. Mean, I mean, he wasn't like... If you the, the fans weren't calling for him, he was a third round pick. You had mod, modified expectations for him. Trubisky, you're not. Your expectations are this guy's going to be the savior. So that puts an enormous amount of pressure on him, which is another reason I didn't want the Browns to take him because, on top of that pressure of being that high pick, kid. the pressure of trying to get kid. the Browns, <laughs> a hometown kid, yeah, growing up being a Browns fan, trying to lead the Browns. Uh, that's that's just trouble right there. That's trouble. Well, I got Kevin Kennedy and Phil DeMeo in the house here. We're talking NFL draft. This is a Sports Blog New York podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. And especially if you like what you've been hearing, don't forget to leave some stars and a little review talking about the show, talking about some of the guys we got on here. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing the show. We appreciate everybody who will subscribe, listen, and review. All right, Phil, I want to get you going over here a little bit. Kevin's been spitting some knowledge at our listeners right now. Now, I want to talk to you about the Jets draft a little bit. So I talked to you about it before, so I have a little feeling of it. Is there any reason to even have a little bit of doubt about the Jets' first-round pick? I think this is very similar to when two years ago McCadden got handed Leonard Williams. Yes. I think this was a no-brainer pick. I was I was somewhere, and I was following the Jets on my phone. I see Adams, Adams, please, Adams. There's no no-brainer here. So, no, eight, just, it's easy. It's a layup. For, Layup, and right? for any GM, Jamal Adams. So were you shocked that he was there? Um, when you look at how the draft happened, it's hard not it's hard to be shocked because once Trubisky went, you knew Solomon Thomas was going one of those plays, right? You kind of knew Fournette was going four. The Titans were the, the, the player, are they going to go defense? Best player available was Adams, or are they going to address their need? And they addressed their need in Corey Davis. So once that happens, like Leonard Williams, this is the Leonard Williams draft, you kind of realize why he was drafted like that. Because Jamal Adams is so good, but these teams are just maybe just don't want a safety. They don't, they don't value safeties that well. Right. McCagden was a play. I'm getting the best player available no matter what position, besides quarterback, probably. Obviously. So, you know, great job on that. Second um, second round pick, May. I went to Quincy Wilson. I, I like the idea of Jamal Adams coming coming up with a cornerback, built a secondary like that. But May, is, look, it happened in Seattle, it happened in Arizona. These hybrid safeties do cover, go in the box and cover and send the field. That That's a big. That's usually in the NFL these days because we know it's a passing league right now. The Jets front seven has never been a problem with them. No. Between London Williams, um, the linebackers, Darren Lee. This, next, between Rex Ryan and Todd Bowles in the transition years, the front seven has never been an issue. So now you pair that front seven with this new secondary, it's hard to, you know, nitpick it. You can probably you can go ahead and nitpick it on who they could have took, maybe Dalvin Cook. Right. Or Quincy Wilson, one of the other players, but... I, I like it. Overall, okay. there's nothing to be too upset about, right? No. That's, that's, I mean, as a non-Jets fan, just being objective as possible about the Jets draft, and granted, I like to take my digs at the Jets. Who doesn't, you know, the opposite yeah, team course. in New York, just like Jets fans would at the Giants. I look at their draft and I say, oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Jamal Adams was a no-brainer, like you said. And then after that, you know, you take picks. You, no one's a guarantee. Mm-hmm. You look at how they develop. Maybe they're going to be good. Maybe they're going to be average. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all these guys were quality picks, and I think... I feel the same way about the Giants, more or less. But, Kevin, I'm going to come to you on the Giants pick. So I know you got some opinions on their first-round pick. Slightly controversial in Giant land. Uh, actually, I'll just say controversial. It's not slight. There's controversy. Some people are happy. Some people are upset. There's a lot of people who are confused. Some people who don't get it. 
What do you think? Right, and in my last mock, I had them trading up to the Colts pick to get uh, Howard. Howard. Which is super reasonable, very smart, just not giant-like. Right. So go on, sorry. And when you say not giant-like, right? Now, they they were a very good team last year. They, they, achieved, they achieved a lot of things, and... But their holes are very glaring. Last year, you know they needed a some receiver over five foot eleven. That was <laughs> clear as day. They needed offensive tackles, and when JPP was out, they needed more depth at the edge rusher, in my opinion. Because watching that Packers game, watching Rodgers tap dance around, it was very evident that if you didn't know JPP wasn't on the field before that game, you could tell by the second series that he wasn't there. Right. Because he was just moving, he was just right. around, not being touched. Right, Ver- Vernon's good and all, but Vernon's a secondary rusher. He's not that, in my opinion. He's, he's not. He's kind of like uh, good at everything. He's not like spectacular right. as a pass he's rusher, not, and he's not elite enough to be that focal point JPP type guy. Where if he's the only rusher they have to worry about, they can minimize him. Right, and Hankins and Snacks are just run stuff. Right, they're fine. They do their job in the right. pass rush, but they're not getting right. sacks. So now, you're sitting there at twenty three. Right? Now, as of pick 19, before pick 19 is in, O.J. Howard and Garrett Bowles are still on, on the board. That's the number one rated tight end and the number one rated tackle. Keep in mind, O.J. Howard blocks like a tackle. So it's almost, you know, the whole two birds scenario, right? right? So you're sitting there at 23. The Titans are at 18. They end up taking a Dory Jackson. They know they can get a Dory Jackson at 23. No one in between 23 and uh, uh, 18 is taking a Dory Jackson. So why don't you be aggressive for once? What do you have to give up, a fourth-round pick? Who was the Giants' fourth-round pick? Uh, the running back, huh? Wayne Goldman, Avery yeah. Moss, and uh, some, some tackle late, right? You could have gave up your fourth-round pick, but you could also, it's also easier to trade back into the later rounds. Right. So if I, personally... Just did that. Just kind of, uh, ended up with nine picks. Right. Personally, if I was if I was the Giants, I would have made an aggressive move to go up and and get that tight end or get that get that stud tackle because like Garrett Bowles. Garrett Bowles is twenty four years old. He's he's not. He's a man. He's not Eric Flowers. He's not. He's, he's old. He's, exactly. he's got two years on Eric Flowers. Right. He's coming in. He's playing. All right. And he wants to play. So John Elway knew that. Right. And, uh, I mean, O.J. Howard's too good for the Buccaneers to pass on. Absolutely. That's, that's a scary offense on paper. I mean, but there's also, there's also, like, within the NFL, teams have a general idea of who's going to go where. And I think the, you can look at this from afar and say, if O.J. Howard's on the board for the Buccaneers pick, they're probably going to take him. I'm surprised he's at 19. Right. But, you know, it's a tight end. It's a tough to... Uh, and then... Tough to value, too. To, to, yeah, to evaluate their actual the Falcons, player. Like, they didn't have anybody tight end. They had... Um, Jacob Tammy. Yeah, that yeah. Tammy. Did they? They didn't pick up Vernon Davis. Am I making that up? No, no Vernon Davis up? went to um, Redskins. Oh yeah, no. sorry. Uh, but yeah, no, I I hear what you're saying. Listen, OJ Howard is a stud. I didn't even think he was going to be there at 19, so that was shocking by itself, right? Jerry Reese is the only time I remember him ever moving up was to get Landon Collins, and that was in the second round, in the very beginning of the second round. It's much cheaper. He, he doesn't do it very often. So yeah, as a Giants fan, I just didn't expect it. Though all your points are so bad, it, so it, so it, so it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. far. It's not yeah. like you're. Like it's not like you're making a move like like the Chiefs did, where you're gonna have to give up your first round pick for next year. You could have gave up minimal pick this year and maybe a conditional pick. Or like a third round pick this pick. year and like a fourth. Not round pick even. Next year. The third round pick is rich. Yeah, I mean it is interesting. Like and for example, the, the Browns went from thirty three to twenty nine, and they gave up a fourth round pick, which. In the grand scheme of things, if you get the guy who you want right. moving doesn't up matter. four picks, it doesn't really matter. And so I hear you. To speak of the guy they took at that That's what pick I'm at get 29, Njoku, oh, I think he would have been a better fit for what the Giants are trying you, to do. I don't do. want you to talk about. That's what I was going to get to in, now. Ingram. Ingram, Ingram. So, Ingram? Evan Ingram. 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 Yeah. Ingram, yeah, yeah. So this is what I want to get to now because I think you're making valid points and – as a Giants fan, I just accepted that I knew that wasn't going to happen. So unless O.J. Howard happened to somehow fall to 23, I knew we weren't going to get him. So all your points are valid, but this is where I'm coming at. I was on Njoku the whole time leading up to the draft. He was one of the guys who were, was actually a consensus amongst mock drafts that I looked at. Because mock drafts, I heard uh, some of the best ones, or the best you know predicted mock drafts were like 
between 5 out of 32 or 7 out of 32 was like the best one around. So it's tough to predict these things, obviously. Njoku is a guy, I saw him at the Giants pick over and over and over again. Freak. So I'm seeing Njoku's on the board. Njoku's on the board. I don't even care we didn't get Howard. I love this Njoku guy. He's a freak. He's only been playing football for a handful of years. He's got the ceiling is the roof. You know what I mean? And then we pick Evan Ingram. So I sit back for a second and I start to think about it. But uh, do you trust Jerry Reese? Yeah, trust him. This, this is where I'm going to say. I watched Ingram and I watched Njoku. I like Njoku better. I'm trusting the Giants scouting department more than me, and I trust myself. But how can I? How can I say the Giants didn't do their due diligence? They clearly like this guy more if they pass him up. If they pass up Njoku for Ingram. Granted, they're not even that similar of a player. I mean, actually, they're more similar than, say, O.J. Howard and Engram. But the Giants seem to like this guy. He's a versatile pass catcher. He's going to be in the slot. I think he even fits out wide in certain sets, especially close to the red zone. He's not a tight end, really. Remember I think by, the, by the middle of his second year, maybe by the middle of his first year, we're going to look at him as a wide receiver because right. he's going to be in the slot 80% of the time. You want to hear my comparison for him? I want to. And, uh, well... I think he's going to be better, obviously, but as far as style, as as far as you know, physical attributes, he's Quincy Anunua. Oh yeah, I like that big target. Right when he gets the ball settling into like a slant set right. or some sort of uh, in dig, you know, mesh type route. But now you're he's going to get the ball and get upfield and take hits. You're at a little bit of a cluster now, because there was games last year where you know it disappeared. Yeah, there was on the fields. Pe- people people disappeared. You know whether it was Cruz one game. Or Shepard another game. Now you have Shepard and Marshall, Marshall and um, Ingram and Odell. You find um, Rhett Ellison to be a blocker tight end. So I don't, think, I don't think on a blocking plays, right? He's not gonna see the field, right? Ingram. But the so, thing is, the thing is, so on blocking plays, he can still be in the slot if we put yeah, who's coming know, off who's coming off the field. Shepard, sure, okay. him. You know, the, the rota- he's a rookie. He doesn't have to be on the field right. every down. Also, also when now if he's if you go to a situation like that where you have a blocking tight end. Now, you give him a play, too. Exactly. It's a dang good boy. I mean, there's wrinkles you can put into it. I right. mean, Red Ellison's in the NFL and is making money for right. a reason. No, it's not like any team he was on, you could have said that about. I mean, maybe it was true for the teams he was on. He was in the Vikings last year. But 49ers, Vikings, yeah. There's sets that I'm imagining in my head with Ingram and Ellison next to each other. You throw some wrinkles into it. Ingram has the ability, the speed, and the physicality. Oh, he's a, he's a great player. Plays. I'm not knocking the player at all. Right. I just, I, I don't know if the. I guess obviously they know more than me, but I don't know if the fit is. The fit's perfect. It's, it's curious, right? It's curious, and I'll go. I could go on for days about the Jets draft and how I'm just completely puzzled by it, to say the least. All right, can we get to that in one second? Because yes. I just want to ask you. How do you think, now that you have Najoko on your team, but right. how do you think Najoko would have fit for the Giants compared to Ingram? Well, the thing, the thing about uh, Najoko is he, he's, he's a lot bigger. He's, he's just as good as an athlete. He doesn't have the straight line speed that Ingram has, but game speed and 40 time is, no. Absolutely different. It's yeah, not really. What's the difference between a 4-6 and a 4 Well, I think it's big difference in all the back when we see him run. Exactly. You <laughs> tell. Right, yeah. you tell. right, but there's people that ran faster 40s and then he's clearly faster than Yeah, so, you'll never see exactly. you move with the ball like Odell. Right. So it's a good exactly. point. So I, I don't look at the, the far as, you know, the 40s and the shuttles and all that stuff, but um, Njoku, you can put him on the end of the line and he'll hit someone. Well, whether Ingram can do that or not, I'm sure he's a willing blocker, but... I watched some tape on him uh, just today, actually, because I was curious. First play of one of his game highlight tapes, absolutely whiffed on a block. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, what am I getting into? But you know what? He was, he was more or less a willing blocker. He just wasn't great. That's half the battle. He wasn't much. great. It's absolutely true. Right. Absolutely so I think, I think that Njoku gives you a little bit more versatility because um, I think he's, he's a better high pointer. He's better at contested catches just due to his massive size and physical abilities. So if you're in the red zone and you have Marshall on one side, Njoku on the other side, and Beckham in the slot, who are you covering on the slant? Who are you covering on the fade? You forgot about Shepard in the slot and Z- Shane, right. Shane Vereen in the backfield right. possibly if he's healthy enough. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, it's dynamic. Right. It's dynamic. Now, Ingram would do similar things, but I, I think, I think Njoku's ceiling is higher. I think his versatility is better. Because, like you named all those positions you played where you can put him out wide, you can put him out slot. Njoku can do all that same stuff. Absolutely. And I just think he, he has more potential as a blocker. And um, 
you know, just I just think he has he has more upside, in my opinion. How do you feel about Davis Webb? I think, you know, I didn't know much about him. And well, we had our, our podcast last week that if you guys want to listen to, you can go back and listen, obviously. We always encourage that. But we did our pre-draft show, which I think is always interesting to listen actually after the draft yeah. to see what was talked about before. Your boy, our boy, Darren Carbone, he loved Davis Webb. Yeah. He was talking about him in the same light as the Mahomes of the world. What? And even he liked him better than Kaiser. He said he liked him as much as almost Watson and stuff yeah. like that. So, you know... To hear somebody be that high on him, I like it. What confuses me, and maybe you guys can help me out on this, there's Giant fans who were like mad about that pick, who are upset that they picked Davis Webb with what the third pick, third round pick. What are they losing by that? I'm in that, I'm in that camp kind of too because I feel like this is a Super Bowl. You ever win though now, but you like what maybe two, three years, right? You can get a quarterback next year and, and the year after to replace him. Now you're wasting a third round pick, which could be valuable for your team to win right now, and this guy isn't going to see the field. If he sees the field. You have much bigger problems, right? Yes. I mean, he's not... Maybe you drafted Nathan way too early to be the... The, 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 the heir apparent. The heir apparent. But now Eli is getting to the age of 36, 38, right yeah. there. But I just think I'd rather my team... You know, the Saints aren't drafting quarterbacks. They don't want to run out with Drew Brees. Like, I think I'm in the camp, but give me a play to win right now. Saints had five wins last year. That's a good point. But my, my thing with it is, though... It's one pick, right? So you say you can say all you want that the Giants could use that third round pick to pick somebody, and that person could have been good. He could have been bad. If you like a quarterback, you grab him. He doesn't have to play yet, and I think there's a world that is very possible to happen where Eli may retire after this year. You don't know. I mean, you don't know what type of year he can go through. Yeah, I just you don't know what type of run the Giants might go on. With all that Depending on what happens, he's in a milky man. He's not leave anywhere. I I, I tend to agree, but I think there's a real pop possible world out there where Eli says, you know what, I'm actually done after I think year. I think last year was one of the first years where you saw mortality, and it wasn't just with Eli. It was Big Ben and Rivers. You could tell yeah. their arms aren't what they were. Eli, when you watched him last year, granted he never liked getting hit, and he did whatever he could not to his whole life. Last year, there were times, and granted his O-line couldn't block much, he was getting the ball, pattering his feet like I've never really seen him before, because he looked like he was like, oh, my God, where's the pressure coming from? I need to get rid of this thing right away. Because he panicked. And he, if he plays another season where he's not getting any protection and he's running way around more than he has to and he's getting hit more than he wants to, who's to say he's not saying, all right, I gave my last run. Just, maybe we made the playoffs. Maybe we didn't. I'm done. That's it. Who besides Aaron Rodgers, you put Philip Rivers in there, he's had behind Breeze, sits and becomes a starter for many years. There's that many who you know, uh, can take that route to NFL quarterback. And, I mean, Mahomes is going to be that guy now. Brady. Alex Smith. Brady. Brady sat for almost a full year. Well, actually, um, for a full year, right? Who knows? Who, like, without Belichick's plan, you know, start him right away? No, they said, they said he was the number one quarterback on the board. You know, that is, a, that is a pretty good question, Phil. Uh, I'm trying to think about it off the top of my head. Even recently, these quarterbacks play right away. I, I, I'm That's in that true. camp. You learn my back. Because most teams force the need of the quarterback, where an E.J. Manuel might have been better off going in the third round to the Giants and sitting there and learning. But he would never, team. ever see the field, ever. Like A.J. McCarron. Good. Like, you see him as a starter anywhere? Uh, I mean, you think about, like, Mike Lennon, right? So he's a guy who was looked at with some upside at some certain points. He was a starter career. before he was a backup. Right, he was a starter before he was a backup. Opposite. I was opposite. So he's yeah. all over the place. And now, once you become that backup, unless you burst in the scene right after, or your team specifically looks at you as the, 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 the Matt next, theory, like, oh, Matt right. was that behind Aaron Rodgers? He'd be big. No, he went to Seattle and Russell Wilson took his job. Right. right. It's so, interesting. I'm not, I'm not in that camp, but the backup no, quarterback no, can be next see, guy. Th- there's there's a difference between taking a backup quarterback and taking the heir apparent. Like that that was my big spiel on Garoppolo. Everyone's saying, oh, he's Matt Castle. Oh, he's Ryan Mallett. If you look at the timelines, they don't line up. Matt Castle was a seventh-round pick with 33 career pass attempts in college. They drafted him thinking he's going to be the next Tom Brady. Not a shot in hell. They drafted him in the seventh round, second-to-last pick, whatever he was, as a, as a backup. Just in case. You know, exactly. I looked at the ringer today. He said, that's why um, Belichick always drafts a quarterback. He doesn't have to pay a backup quarterback. It's the market value. Right. So, like, he, it's done. Like a junior thing. Yeah, I mean, he knows if he needs a backup quarterback. One, he could probably fill one in as he saw this year. And two... He's not using his cap for a bad quarterback that, you know, shit goes, shit's the fan. 
You got bigger problems. Absolutely. I mean, I just personally don't think it's a surefire enough pick in the third round where you can get mad that your team didn't draft some defensive player or some offensive lineman because there's just as much of a chance that they may suck too or may never see the field Who was that as there is pick? basically that they're a quarterback. Who was that third-round pick last year? I have no idea. What about the year before? Mm, I don't know. You don't know? Is that bad? If, 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 if I bring it up, it could be you know, someone would. Hankins, Hankins was a second-round pick, I'm pretty sure. Obviously, Collins was a second-round pick. There's probably some third-round picks who are on the team, and there's probably some who aren't. My yeah. point is, you take a quarterback who they like, who they say, maybe one year or two, because I think they're looking at Eli and they're saying two years. That's a reasonable timeline to be this heir apparent. Like you're saying, the the, the Patriots took Matt Castle when Tom Brady was like 29. Yeah. That was no heir apparent. Right. That was, like you said, cheap backup quarterback. There's a clear Grapple, difference. Grapple so, was a second-round pick, the highest quarterback ever taken by Belichick, and he was taking when Brady was playing his age 38 season. What does that tell you? Is that was he was he a backup? He was a backup to be an heir. They brought him in to replace Tom Brady. That's why they wouldn't trade him. Yeah, I think I think I mean, fair. I, you see it ten years from now, maybe we'll be in a, a nice studio. But uh, David Swift could be winning Super Bowls for the Giants. Like you look like an idiot. And but, that's absolutely true. Or it true. could be nine, Ryan Nassib. I don't even know when Ryan Nassib is anymore. No one knows. Timeline don't meet up for Ryan Nassib. Yeah, I never, I never thought about that timeline aspect. I like that though. That's really interesting. Who did the Who did the Steelers draft this year? Well, Dobbs. Timeline. They drafted. Landry Jones. Big Ben almost retired. I don't you think last yeah, year. Big Ben's closer to retirement than Eli. They're, I don't think they're far off. I I, I think th- Eli's two more years tops. I think, no. the, I, think the, I think he sees what's around him with Odell. Like, it doesn't matter. Leave this guy. It doesn't matter. It's similar to what happened with. He's having bad years. Having bad years. Is yeah, but it's in similar. Pain? Like, it's similar to what happened with with. I think he wants to be Peyton pay, pay Manning's record of uh, most games played consecutively. I think he's like two, two, three years old. Th- I don't think he cares about that. I just think it's a nice thing to he, go for. I, I don't think that. I think they can make a nice SNL skit about it when they host together right? <laughs> after yeah. they both re- retired. I, I think I think the arm fatigue was apparent last year watching Eli play. I watched him play uh, a good number of games, and I watched you know the, him play the Browns specifically from beginning to end, and he did not look good. In Cleveland, in I think it was November. Eli, Eli, Eli always did look good. Like, and in that Eagles game, he looked awful. Yeah, in know, that, that Eagles game, he looked like the Thursday like, night game, like an old quarterback. He's he not who he was. Guys. He's not who he used to be in cold weather. His first balls are off. Just like funny, bro. I was watching the Giant Eagles game with him, and because the Browns had the Eagles pick, he was so mad at Giants. Could have had, had Jamal Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well. That's interesting stuff with the Giants quarterback. My opinion as a Giants fan, and let's close out with your opinions, your final say about that pick, if it's good, bad, stupid, or whatever. My opinion is I don't look at it as a waste. I think it as a, as a educated risk that you don't, you're not losing much. You might hit a home run. It might be a strikeout. I'm still not mad about it. How about you guys? Personally, I love it because I, I also think Davis Webb is – Can you actually give a quick like profile on Davis Webb? If, if you my can comparison for him is Eli Manning. Huh? He's similar size, similar arm, arm abilities when they came out. Um, same doofy-looking faces. You know, he's not really a good-looking man either, Davis Webb. Um, but he's got the same style. He, he throws a very good deep ball. He's, uh, he's tall. He's not really mobile. He, you know, he shuffles around. He's big yeah. and doofy. He's, in my comparison, the best-case scenario is Eli Manning. I think he's, he's a young Eli clone. I think Giants fans should like that. Right. right. How about you, Phil? I think Davis Webb should be happy. He's in New York with Matt uh, McAdoo, Eli Manning. I just think... That you could have waited a year or two for a quarterback. To you don't want to wait too long. You don't want to wait too long. But, hey, if you wait too long like the Colts did, you end up with Andrew, Luck, Andrew, Andrew Luck. True. And a lot of people love these quarterbacks next year. Yeah. Darnold and well, yeah. Rosen. Rosen. Saying, like, yeah, okay. Okay. Right. We want to do that, too? Well, I, I, that's literally in the lotto. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Let's talk about timeline. Last year, last year, the conversation after around this time was Deshaun Watson versus Brad Kaya. Who? Exactly. Right. So I love Brad Kaya with right. the Detroit. The right. Never going to see the field. Right. So let, let's slow The timelines don't match up. Let, let's, yeah. let's slow our roll on this whole Darnold is the chosen one because that wrist cock he does better get fixed up for if he's in I agree with you. And didn't, wasn't Rosen supposed to be good last year for UCLA? Yeah, he had nerve damage in his shoulder. Now what happens if Sam so Darnold tears his ACL? You're sucking for Sam, right? Right. Actually, Matt Miller had um, the Jets taking totally the running back. with you. Oh, that guy's going to be a beast if you want to talk about it. So we're going to get into uh, my 2018 mock draft. <laughs> That's good stuff. One more pick I want to talk to hey, you guys about. Hey, I bet you Miles Garrett was top of that draft last year. 
Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> they said he would have been a top five pick if he would have came out the year before with Bosa. The guys are stud. We'll see. We'll see how Miles Garrett turns out. But I want one more pick to talk to you guys about. We're coming up on fifty minutes again. This is Sports Blog New York podcast. I got Kevin Kennedy. I got Phil DeMeo. We were touching on a lot of stuff. Jets, Giants, the whole nine. The last thing, I guess, it's you know fitting that it's the last thing. The pick that is literally called Mister Irrelevant. Jack Kelly maybe wasn't so irrelevant this year. What do you think about the Broncos taking a real pick as Mister Irrelevant? Um, I think it was a joke from uh, Elway to Jim Kelly. You, you think so? No, no. Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> <I didn't laughs> that. That'd be some some real life trolling right, right, right. there. Right. Yeah. So uh, there was that, but um, I mean, there's there's no denying Kelly's talent. Um, for Elway to even associate his team with him says a lot to me, and um, I don't see a reason why he can't be better than Paxton Lynch and. A guy like him, he's a little iffy with the off the field, but if he can channel that into, you don't know, like he might, he the best thing that could have happened to him is having that name Mister Irrelevant given to him. Yeah, because that might fuel him to say, you want to call me Mister Irrelevant? You know what I mean? It, it, I think it could be a home run, but that was a literally no risk. Right. Pick. It's like it's like it's like a Chris Carter. He's, gonna, he's either going to strike out or or hit a home run. There's really no in between. So, I I searched Chad Kelly drugs. I see a Barstool picture of Chad Kelly um, rolling a blunt and what's what's legal in Denver? <laughs> so I I just don't think I, I'm going to That's good. I'm just not going to give a lot of Chad Kelly hype. Well, I'm going to tell you guys this. I think one of you might one of you might know this already, but I said this on yesterday's episode right. as well. I actually played yeah. two years of football against Chad Kelly. Did you really? Yeah, he played against Farrell. Really? Phil, Phil, Kevin, and I all went to the same high school. Yeah, I did not, and, I did not uh, I, I went game. to Buffalo one one year, and then he came to, to New York. I watched that game. When How was you mentioned before? I never noticed. And I'm going to tell you this. When I saw Chad Kelly in high school, granted we're playing high school football here, so let's take this all with a grain of salt, right? He was, he was like 6'4", fastest guy on the court, jacked. His arm strength was so impressive that he was throw, out-throwing his receivers – Overthrowing his receivers, they they couldn't catch the ball because he was throwing too too hard. Remember punting? That's a yeah, he was the punter. He would stand <laughs> seven yards back. He would punt with that little trick rule. He was a savage athlete. So in his head, obviously, you know. I could well, right. I could. I'm just wait. I have a bigger point coming. Okay. <laughs> in his head, he was playing a bunch of nobodies in high school. He was the son. I mean, nephew of a Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. He was disinterested. He got messed up with like wrong crowds. He had a problem at Clemson when he went there first. He went to Ole Miss. He figured it out a little bit. At least he got on the field. He showed that he's talented. And I swear, I I don't believe there's any reason he can't be better than Webb, Watson, Mahomes. He he's being, just as talented as them. He has to be better than Simeon and Lynch now. Absolutely. But the talent for him is there. He'll be number two on the depth chart. And the most important he be thing. That Lynch? He can be that Lynch and Simeon. The Come most on. important thing that Kevin said he just gets called Mr. Irrelevant. This is a guy who has been in the news as a quarterback prospect since he's a junior in high school. This kid's been going, quote-unquote, to the league since he's a junior in high school. And he just got coined Mr. Irrelevant on the biggest stage of the NFL prospect you know, year, on the NFL draft. He got a jersey that said Mr. Irrelevant on it. <laughs> if nothing's going to turn you around, I don't know what it is. If that's not going to turn you around, I don't know what it is. I have faith in that kid. I know my friends and you know, people who played against him may not like to root for him because, you know, we – we had that head-to-head battle of we wanted How to beat him. I think, I think it's win? cool. We split one and one. One and one. I played against this guy. I want him to succeed because I want to be like, cool. I played yeah, against that guy. I, I think it's cool. And I think he really yeah. has the talent for it. So I don't know. That's just me. So um, before we wrap up, we have a couple more minutes. Which team stuck out for you with the draft? I like the Colts doing Lee Cooker and Quincy Wilson. I like what the Texans did with Watson. I mean, it's a, we said it before the draft, you know, we want Watson in. to go to Texas. So they're all in, though. We're all happy. But yeah, they're very old. And you said they gave it the first second-round pick not, year. If he doesn't pan out. Next year, it doesn't pan out. I don't know. It's a couple years, but next a, year. If they yeah. have a bad year, it's good for the Browns, bad for the Texans. I mean, they won the division two years in a row. You'll be rooting Brock for Osweiler uh, and Ryan. Like, you will be rooting for have. him. I don't know. I didn't really like him to begin with, so. You got more incentive. I'm not going to lie. I'm not saying this just because we have a fan in the building. I really liked what the Browns did. Yeah. Because I don't want to say it to him, but. My, my like number him. one thing with the whole quarterbacks from the league thing, which is absolutely true, and, you know, you get your franchise quarterback at any price. You don't get your franchise quarterback if you don't think he's a franchise quarterback. So clearly the Browns didn't like any of these guys enough, and they didn't pull the trigger just to have a quarterback. 
because they've failed on them before. Also, so good job getting talent. Right. Just get talent. And that, and that's what they did. They they took the best players that fill, and they had a lot of needs, so it was tough to find a player that didn't fill a need. But the pick I love the most is the Kaiser pick because low risk. Yeah, it, it, you don't have the pressure on him because of, of where he was picked. And if you look at him compared to a a Watson, a, a Mahomes, a Trubisky, you can't tell me he doesn't have the most potential out of all of them. I'm, I'm going to give you some names and teams. First reaction when it happened. You ready? John Ross, Bengals. Great fit for the Bengals. Uh, I think he's slightly overrated because of his 40 time. Reach. Uh, it's a reach, but he's a good fit for the Bengals. Who would you rather see them pick up? Anyone else? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because I'm a, I'm a Browns fan. I don't want to face John Ross, but you, you, I don't know. I didn't think that was good. They could have took Lattimore. I think Lattimore and Saints are one of the better picks. They could have took Reddick. I was the high Lattimore to begin with, but Reddick, they 11 is a good pick. They could have took Reddick. They could have took uh, Barnett. They could have took Hooker. They could have took anyone. I, I thought that was a reach. The Giant fan now. Jonathan Allen. I'm just doing quick. Doing quick. Uh, the DN? Yeah, from Alabama. It was a very high-ranked beginning process. Some injury concerns happened, but I actually if he's got, healthy... I'm not going to lie. I got, in, I got into a little Twitter rift on... Uh, over the weekend, about some Alabama thing. It was a Colin Cowherd video. He's saying how Alabama players get beat up because they, they work harder through three or four years. And I totally agree with that. Alabama players get put through more physically than almost any other program in the nation. And I don't think that's a arguable fact. These players are going through hell. Saban's putting them through you know more contact than any other team are out there. Maybe not any other team, but most other teams out there. They're, they're, they're seeing their fair share of injuries. They're banged up. So, you know what? It makes me a little nervous about Alabama players. Not going to lie. Me too. T.J. Watt, Pittsburgh Steelers. I hope he's not compared to his brother for his whole life. They don't play the same position. This actually really bothers me. I've seen some Instagram with them next to each other comparing their measurables, comparing their 40 times. That's like comparing – it's like comparing uh, Jeremy Grant and Jerry and Grant. <laughs> one's a point guard. One's a small forward. One's 6'8". One's 6'4". They're different people, different positions – let them be humans. Sorry, that really bothers me. Buda Baker, Arizona Cardinals. Love it. That's a great pick, I think. Love it. He's, he's stepping in for uh, Tony Jefferson, and he's going to be better than him. His, his comp is uh, Honey Badger. So Ooh. imagine having those two maniacs roaming around your secondary with their hairs on, hairs on fire. That's how, that's how they play. I think uh, Malik McDowell to the Seahawks is a great pick. Oh, my God. Um, Top eight talent. Yep. Davin Cook, Vikings. Um, I kind of feel bad for him. He's not going to... He's in the O-line. He's in the O-line, yeah. He's not going to be a diamond cookie see Florida State. I don't think. Uh, yeah. That's a little That's a little bit of a of a meh. It's like, all right, Devin Cook's still good, but also the team's just not a great fit. I think Demarcus Walker to the Broncos is an excellent pick. We we talk about this guy a lot. I don't want to go off on him again, but Joe Mixon to the Bengals. You know how I feel about that. I think it was three... It's three years ago. What he did was horrible. That video is even worse than like the video is atrocious. They showed it. They showed it. Yeah, which is really shocking to me that they showed it on ESPN. Yeah, but uh, it's really horrible what he did. Uh, I'm in the camp that people deserve second chances. And after three years, I think he's grown a lot. He got suspended for a full year at Oklahoma. Everybody says this guy's a first round talent. Give him a chance, and if he turns it around, hopefully in five years we can look at Joe Mixon as a football player, and you know not forget. But forgive for what he what he did in the past. Juju Smith, Pittsburgh Steelers. You see the um, I've heard good things about that. Pick. You see the um, I don't know what you call it. The Harry Bryant tweet. I don't know if he was kidding or not. He was like, "Oh, it's um, Sammy Coates' place, but not mine." Oh yeah, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Juju, like him? Um, I use great hands. I think well, uh, another weapon for Big Ben. Did they need it though? Is that was that their biggest need? No, but they got TJ Watt. Who's that, was that yeah. tight end with Darius Green? Name me, name me two players in the secondary right now. Um, Artie Burns, uh, Mitchell. Sorry, I'll give you two because that's all I know. <laughs> name me the guy's first name. The secondary is not good. They're known. They're the Pittsburgh Steelers are known for their defense. For their defense, their right? secondary is not good. Yeah. Kevin Hogan tore them apart in the AFC Championship game. That's true. If you can't get a cornerback to stay with Kevin Hogan, <laughs> you should draft. Uh, I mean, Chris Hogan. Yeah, yeah, Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. I mean, he did have some really good games at the end of the year, but I don't know. All right, let's let's wrap this up. One more, one more minute. Give me give me a couple more. Uh, Foreman to the Texans, the Texas running back. I think just, I actually don't know much about him. He's not um, just he was, he won, should have picked him. He won running back of the year. John should Texas. Where'd P Ryan go? P Ryan, where's that? Uh, the other Oklahoma running back. Oh no, um, he went to. 
Because um, I liked him. I thought he was pretty talented. I, th- I thought him or Foreman should have ended up with the Giants. Mm. He went to Washington. Yeah, I went to um, so Kareem. He's, he's, oh, he's okay. like Fat Rob, though. Oh, good. He's going to he's gonna run all over the Giants next year. Can't wait. <laughs> I have one more. One more. One more. Uh, Let's make it a good one. I got a pick. What do you got, right. Kev? The first pick of the sixth round to my Browns, but it's not, it's not Browns related. Caleb Brantley. Don't know much about him. Top 50 pick. Um, I, I, I was, 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 was accused of punching a girl in the face and knocking out her teeth three weeks ago. D.D. Westbrook, too. Right. D.D. Westbrook got kicked out of an interview. Right. But the, uh, the guy Brantley, they, they said the, that all eyewitnesses say nothing happened. They have a video. Nothing well, happened. That, that reminds you of Conley. Gary and Conley. Right. You know? So yeah. soon as that pick happened, Mike right. Mayock went, this team is confident that he's not guilty. Right. So, I mean, a six-round pick is a, is a little bit of a yeah. difference in a first-round pick, so there might be something there, but because the situation is so fresh, they don't know all the details. So, But a top-50 pick in the sixth round, that's just low-risk, high reward, because if something comes out you cut him, how many six-round picks make the team anyway? Yeah, probably. I got two more. Ryan Switzer to the what? Cowboys. It's a nice little scat. We see a kind of Cole Beasley. I hate the way I don't like comparison, but P.I.C. comparison. Zach Banner to the Colts. You know how big Zach Banner is? Nope. He's a guard. He's a tackle USC. He doesn't move that quick. He's 6'8", 361. Holy hell, that's so large. He might protect uh, Andrew Luck. He, he and the it. one pick I loved, I loved him the whole college football season. I, loved, I don't know why he means he's a little small. Desmond King, cornerback safety from um, Iowa, went to the Chargers. Already have a pretty good uh, secondary. In fact, he's not going to compete for the two outside jobs with Verrett and Hayward. But he's going to be for that nickel and be convinced to his safety and be good safety. The problem with him is his is measure, is measurables. He doesn't have the athleticism. He's similar to, um, you know, like a, like a Peppers in a way, but he's just not as, as gifted. I yeah, mean, he's 5'10", 200, he's, so. Yeah, but he, what, I don't think he ran well. He, I mean, he's got the instincts, but he, he doesn't, they just said he doesn't have good hips. He, uh, he got burned a couple times at the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you said, he doesn't really have a position, but they don't, I don't know if you, I guess they didn't see the potential to thrive in a new position. Where like maybe a guy like Peppers was, you know, he's got that athletic ability and knows the ball, a little bit more of a ceiling. Well, Kev, Phil, you guys crushed it as always today. Totally you. Hopefully, I uh, hung with you guys with some of these college prospects and uh, now NFL players. Congratulations to all of them, I guess. Right? Yeah. They made it to the league. Well, it's good for I, them. I, I'm very excited um, <laughs> for next year. I think this is almost more exciting than the actual football season. Just thinking. Who's gonna work out where? My is my team gonna do good? They make our decisions. Every GM, especially with draft. you, yeah. Every GM loves that draft. <laughs> except right. the except the Bills GM. <laughs> yeah. We got fired the next day, which is absurd. <laughs> that is absurd. So hopefully we won't get fired after this podcast. No, <laughs> but thank you guys for coming on. You guys did a great great freaking job as always. But this is a Sports Blog New York podcast. I'm Peter Kennedy. I'm Phil DeMaio. Kevin Kennedy. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Come back for more next week.